Provide a platform for a discussion of pro-life, pro-Christian, and pro-American constitutional principles in the light of current and historical events. America, bless God. And now here's the host of Your American Heritage on Wham Talk 1692.7 FM, Ed Bondarenka. Thank you, Derek Stone, producer extraordinaire. Good afternoon your American heritage. Grab a beverage of your choice. Mine is Kafefi, the drink of presidents. Give me a second here. <laughs> Excellent. Let's get started. It's getting ridiculous. I plan a show and then it's a Saturday show and through the week I'm planning a guest and I've got topics. And I've got audio clips and Friday night it's always something. It's all like Emily Latella used to say, it's always something. Justices die, Scottish rules, governors dictate, throws off my whole game show plan. You know, it's all about me, of course. <laughs> well, last night brought a great disappointment. I don't want to make light of it. But I woke this morning to a thought. God is still on the throne. Now, you may not be a Christian. You may not even be a religious person. And to that, I have an answer. God is still on the throne. Now, there's a scene in the Lord of the Rings at the end where all appears lost for the good in the faces of the forces of evil. They're at the gates of Mordor. The hordes of these monsters are coming out at them. All right. Well, I read voices on the internet that say all is lost. The Republic is doomed. We've lost. I say to you, maybe you've lost. I have not. God is still on the throne. Why give up now? So you can give up hope and not get hurt again? So you can rest from the battle? Well, you need a little cheering up. Hold your ground! Hold your ground! Sons of Gondor! Of Rohan! My brothers! I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West. Okay, it's only a movie, but I got to tell you, we take inspiration from these things. They're cultural touchstones. More people watch movies than read the books. So I could have quoted from you from the book. I read the book years ago, but I'm actually more familiar with the movie, having read it or seen it, actually. But remember, behind that battle, waged by men and monsters, a spiritual battle raged. Frodo and Sam strove to destroy the ring. I wonder what small battle is in the background right now that will result in our victory. And if we lose a battle, remember the words of Mal and Firefly. Remember 
Firefly, the TV series? Independence suffered a pretty crushing defeat there. Some say that after Serenity, the browncoats were through, that the war ended in that valley. Hmm. Seems odd you name your ship after a battle you're on the wrong side of. May have been the losing side. Still not convinced it was the wrong one. May have been the losing side. Still not convinced it was the wrong one. So I want to pray right now. Father, please move by your mighty hand. Your great and powerful might and strength. Please support your people in this nation. Please help us, Father. Whatever thing you're doing, we know you do it well. And please give us the strength and the courage to persevere and fight in Jesus' name. Amen. So sometimes I feel like we're in a game show. You know, the Supremes say, please phrase your answer in the form of a question. Or you didn't say, mother, may I? We asked for originalists and we got some that said, we're going to stay inside the confines of the rules, which appears to be what we wanted of them. So were Alito and Thomas the activists then? Well, I'll take some activism in defense of the republic at this point. And speaking of activism, today we have our recurring feature. The David Coleman Report. There we go. So, folks. Hi, Dave. Hi, good afternoon, Ed. <laughs> okay, so I try to keep current events in the light of the overall war in which there are individual theaters of battle. And so... We've had the war on the American Republic, you know, the Great Reset. There's no two ways about it. Like the World Economic Forum versus us. And it's a war of independence for us. We've got to stay independent of the Economic Forum, of, of the globalists. And COVID is the major thrust. It's been enabled by the, it has enabled the election fraud. And that's the other theater. And the economy is in peril also. Small businesses dying. And David Coleman has been on the forefront of defending some of those businesses against overreaches of the state. So, Dave, I could ask you about some specific cases, but I've really talked a lot and I need another sip of coffee. Why don't you tell us what, what's going on? Talk about the restaurant case, for instance. Sure. Um, there's a number of cases going on um, with now the second wave of lawsuits, as we refer to it since Governor Whitmer's executive orders got shot down in October, and those were unenforceable, and all those rules and regulations were found to be illegal and unconstitutional. Now she's just coming back and doing the same thing again, at least in the field of you know, regulating restaurants and businesses, shutting them down, requiring masks, all these sorts of things, and is doing it through state agencies under different statutes that allow various agencies to take steps to protect the public health, safety, and welfare. So that's what's going on with these second wave of lawsuits. And she's taking a clue there from one of our Michigan State Supreme Court justices, whose name escapes me at the moment, who asked her, why are you doing executive orders when you could have done this, hint, 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 to the Department of Health, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, what she decided to do, obviously. But see, what people forget, too, is remember, the governor had issued almost 200 executive orders. There, there were a lot of orders out there dealing with a lot of different areas. And most of those orders, probably 90% of them are still, you know, they've not been resurrected. Those orders are gone. So the Supreme Court decision was very, very good and very effective. But 
what we're left with now is, like I say, these shutdowns of restaurants, bowling alleys, movie theaters, you know, certain selected areas that uh, that are unfavored, I guess you could say. And so they're shutting them down in the name of the virus while letting many others operate. So you can go to your local marijuana shop, you can go to uh, massage parlors, you can go to the big box stores, um, you know, many other places. Barbers hair salons are open now. <laughs> they were shut down the first time around, but they're open now, which is a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying these other things should be shut down. Uh, gyms are open right now for the most part, um, and that's all a good thing. But why the disparate treatment? Why are some allowed to open and others aren't? There really is no logic. There's no science. There's no data. It's just arbitrary decision-making, and it's destroying these small businesses all over the state. Is it really arbitrary? Is there any credence to the position that says all of the Democrat financing businesses, the pot shops, the abortion clinics, the, the large corporations, that uh, all the favorites of the Dems are being able to, I can't speak to barbershops and nail salons now, to be honest with you, but you go, you see where I'm going with this. I mean, the economy is being crushed. Small businessmen, which are typically, typically conservative, like I'm thinking of my friend Tony at Big Sky Diner, you know, a real patriot, hosts the Michigan Tea Party there. He's suffering. And folks, if you're going to take takeout in Ipsy, Please support Tony. He's a real patriot. So at Big Sky Diner on Ecourse Road, and he didn't pay for that either. So, but once again, all of these conservative business owners, for the most part, are being wiped out financially. They can't make donations to the conservative movement. They're trying to keep alive themselves. Is there any credence to that, do you think? And and, and remember, disclaimer, David Coleman's views do not, Ed Bonarenka's views do not necessarily represent the views of David Coleman. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we all have our opinions, don't we, Ed? I mean, look, I can't read the minds of Governor Whitmer and uh, A.G. Nessel and these people and what their motives are. Look, they say they're doing it because they believe they're on a mission to save people's lives, you know, and that's what they say, that they're, they're doing this because this is necessary to protect the populace and all that sort of thing. Well, again, it doesn't make sense when you let all these other organizations and businesses stay open. And they're not just open willy-nilly, they have to follow protocols, safety measures, things like that. Well, why can't restaurants do the same? And there's no, I mean, all the studies and the things that I've looked at show restaurants are a very small percentage of the virus and, and any spread. We're representing right now six restaurants and everywhere from Calumet, Michigan, you know, to, uh, you know, lower peninsula all over the state that are being attacked by both the Liquor Control Commission and they're being attacked by MDARD, the Agriculture Department. They're being attacked by MIOSHA under work rules. Man, we even got a call from a restaurant that the Lottery Commission was calling them, <laughs> wanting to know if they were open selling lottery tickets because the Lottery Commission wants to regulate them. I mean, it's really just outrageous that they're going after these small businesses, the mom and pop types of stores and businesses who usually don't have the money or the resources to fight back. See, they know if they shut down Lowe's, if they shut down Myers, it, it's going to be a battle royale because they've got the money, they can fight them. 
Well, these other small restaurants, you know, bless their hearts, a lot of them are fighting, but they think they can get away with it. And they do get away with it with a lot of the smaller businesses in the state. And these small businesses are the backbone of our state. Right now, the latest I saw is over 2,000 restaurants have closed in Michigan. Think about that, Ed, 2,000 restaurants, over a quarter million jobs, 250,000 jobs gone in this state. What about the tax revenue? What about all these families putting food on their table and caring for their kids and paying for their medical bills and all those things? It's just gone. So what do they do now? They go on the largesse of the state. They go on the welfare rolls. It's increasing the power of the state and making people dependent on them. This is frankly un-American. I mean, I don't care if there's a virus. I don't care what the issue is. You don't trample people's constitutional rights, force them, pick and choose who's gonna win and lose, force them out of business, destroy people who have put investments into these businesses to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it's just lost, it's just gone, because we think you might spread the virus. No proof. I mean, we all of our clients said not a single one has had one case of the virus. Not a single one. And yet, they're being shut down? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's just outrageous. It really yeah. is. The same safety protocols can be used everywhere in the state. People can use common sense and decide whether they're going to go out or not. And so it's just it's sad to see our government doing this to to the the bedrock of our economy in this state. It's destroying it. Yes, exactly. And that's going to have larger implications. You know, we have retirees of which I might be one someday if I ever kick my work habit. And. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm collecting Social Security while I'm working right now, so it's a benefit. It's, a, it's an entitlement. But when I need it, will it be there? If we have the economy crashed, we're going to be like Greek with the Greeks with their pensions, and there's going to be rioting in the streets, and they're going to be old people who remember how to shoot and have guns and ammo to prove it. <laughs> Once again, the views of Ed Bondarenko are not necessarily the views of David <laughs> Well, remember, we live in a constitutional republic, and we all have the right to have our grievances redressed and to use our system and go to court and to do the things we're doing, we have a legal process to, to have these things looked at and reviewed. And we don't always get a good result like the case yesterday from the US Supreme Court, but at least we have you know the, the, the system in place to try to protect these rights. It can take time to get through that system, but it's there and it should be utilized by all of us. I want to talk about that in a minute, but before we do that, I don't want to lose this thought, and we only have so much time with you because you're so busy, that um, class action lawsuit regarding the restaurants. So my friend Tony is, and there's other people, my friend Mike who owns Hobbs, uh, my friend who owns uh, uh, um, Boneheads, you know, they're all suffering the same way. There's so many diners in, in our town alone that are suffering right now. Is there any way they can join in a class action lawsuit that that you would be, um, however, you know, quarterbacking, if that's the word? Mm -hmm. Well, a class action suit would be tough because that takes a lot of money. I mean, millions of dollars to fund. And, you know, you're talking about managing, you know, maybe potentially hundreds of plaintiffs. So that that you have to be a pretty big law firm and have some experience in that area to do a class action. Now, the types of lawsuits we're bringing 
are on behalf of, you know, four or five or six restaurants or the bowling association we're getting ready to file right now. So we're raising these various issues uh, in these cases. And one of which is, of course, based on the statutory authority of these various agencies to do what they're doing, that they're acting outside the scope of that authority that the legislature has given them. Secondly, there's constitutional issues, you know, freedom of assembly, free speech on, in some areas, um, commerce clause, right to contract. There's all kinds of constitutional issues that are out there that we're going to be raising in these lawsuits also. But then the third thing we're doing in the suit, a third you know, cause of action within the lawsuit is going to be for a takings. We're going to argue that the state is taking the property of these business owners by destroying their business and putting them out of business. It, and so they have they can't do that without giving them compensation. So think of it like eminent domain. Uh, if they come along and say, we got Ed, we got to take your house because we're putting through a new highway. Well, guess what? They can take your house, <laughs> you know, to put through that new highway but they have to pay you. They have to pay you the fair market value and compensate you for that taking. Well, it also this line of reasoning also applies to businesses. So we're gonna be bringing lawsuits to say, okay, fine, Governor Whitmer in the state of Michigan, you wanna destroy our clients' businesses and take their businesses, you gotta pay them for it. Oh, but wait that a might make them slow down. Yeah, that might make them slow down a little bit if they realize whoa, we're going to be paying millions and millions of dollars out to all these businesses that we're destroying in the name of a virus. And so, um, again, none of this is to minimize the virus or minimize the concerns and that, that it's there and that people are, you know, <laughs> dying and having problems with this horrible virus. Of course we are. But we cannot destroy ourselves in, in the, with, you know, in the midst of trying to deal with that. We have to find a, a, a way to do both. So uh, while we're speaking of, and I'm glad we talked about all this, the big elephant in the room is the Scottish decision last night. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying, they get very technical and they, they talk about standing. And, and every, all the commentators I was hearing were saying, well, Texas didn't have standing. Well, it wasn't just Texas. It was a number of states that joined Texas. Now, this became almost like a class action lawsuit. And then when the president, he didn't just follow. Did he join or was he an amicus brief? They, I think they had filed the president's team had filed to intervene in the case. So if it had been accepted, they would have become a party to the case. But the case was not accepted. Yeah, I see. Now I know how that works because you'd think the president would have standing if even if Texas didn't. And did Texas not have standing because Biden had not actually been sworn in, so they hadn't been damaged yet? Is that how that works? No, I think the standing issue was based on the fact that what does Texas have to do with Michigan's voting and election process and all of that? That Texas as a state doesn't have the right to come in and say, Michigan, you did it wrong. You messed it up. And so, therefore, we're going to sue you in federal court. It's that idea. It's only Michigan that has, you know, the right to deal with whatever problems are going on in Michigan. The problem you've got with this is all the state courts are throwing out the cases saying that, you know, you can't prove enough uh, fraud has occurred, you know, those sorts of things. You know, I find it interesting in these election cases because, you know, we were involved in the one in Wayne County. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, it all started out initially as the mantra is, 
oh, well, there's no fraud at all. You're a bunch of kooks. You know, where's your tinfoil hats and things like that? Then it switched to, well, okay, there might have been a little bit of fraud. I mean, you've proven something, but it's just not very much. And then it went to, well, okay, maybe there's fraud, but it's not enough to change the outcome of the election. You know, they kept moving that bar, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, how do you know whether or not there's enough fraud to have changed the election results unless you have a full inspection and get into it and audit all the votes? You well, can't know. You can't know. What do you know about what's going on with Antrim County? Now, there was a, a an injunction against releasing the results of the uh, audit of the 22 machine Dominion machines there. And I've lost track of it after that, what the status is. Do you have any insight on that? Well, as I understand it, the, there's going to be a hearing again uh, early this week over what the results showed of that internal inspection of the Dominion machines in Antrim County. And so we'll see what the judge does with that. I, I think, you know, all he said, as I understand the judge's order was nobody's to release anything until we've had a full hearing and everybody's had a chance to be heard. So I, I don't have a problem with that. We're not talking. We're talking a few days or something to for that chance to have the hearing. So, uh, you know, I I've been told. You know, who knows on these things? That there's so many rumors flying around. I've been told though that the the group that did the forensic interview did find some pretty uh, damning information. Um, if that's true, it'll come out in court this week, and I guess we'll see what we see. Um, but if they're able to show those Dominion uh, computers up in Antrim County were ch actually changing votes, then that's throwing everything into turmoil at that point. Then that means that would have been, they would have that ability everywhere around the country that there were Dominion like, voting machines. Like in, where they, they, put in the, they put in the equal votes as a test and it came out, oh, it wasn't equal now. Now it's come out, everything got switched or a, a fraction got switched to Biden. So yeah. Right. You know, so I guess it remains to be seen. It's like everything else here. You know, people said when we filed our election lawsuit down in Wayne County, well, this is all hearsay. It's smoke and mirrors. You don't have anything. I, I just got, you know, read the affidavits. We have firsthand observed fraud. You know, Zach Larson, a former Michigan assistant attorney general, personally observed fraudulent counting of ballots. And he said most of the ballots, not just a few here and there, the vast majority of the hundreds and hundreds of ballots that he was observing were fraudulently counted. They were applied to different people than the name that was on the ballot. Uh, Jesse Jacob uh, observed all kinds of irregularities and fraudulent activities, letting people vote without showing any ID. Um, you know, clerks, the clerk's office uh, officials telling people who to vote for and then going with them to the voting booth. This is before election day. And then during election, during the account, Ms. Jacobs uh, refers to many of the fraudulent activities that she saw the days of the counting. And it's all right there in their affidavits. So how anybody could sit there and say, well, there's there's no evidence. There's a, It's eyewitness, direct, observed evidence. That's the best evidence you can get in a court of law. I mean, people are in prison for a whole lot less than that, okay? So when people tell you, the media tells you, I was just reading in the paper this morning, the Lansing paper, oh, all these unsubstantiated claims of, uh, you know, election fraud and stuff, there's no evidence. They're lying through their teeth. They are lying through their teeth. 
the evidence is there. They just don't want to acknowledge it. That's all. I just want to tell you, folks, the views of David Coleman do happen to coincide with the views of Ed Bondarenko. <laughs> so the music's about to start, Dave. You indicated you could stay over a little bit. And we've got sure. a caller, Joe from Wyandotte, who has a question for you. And uh, I didn't want to get him on before the, before the uh, half hour mark. So the music's playing. Folks, why don't you join us back after the commercials? Make sure you listen intently. These commercials pay for the radio station, which this time hosts this show. See ya. Let's rejoin the host of Your American Heritage on Wham Talk 1692.7 FM, Ed Bondarenka. Thanks, folks, for rejoining us on Your American Heritage this Saturday afternoon. And speaking of courageous warriors, we have with us today David Coleman of Common. Go ahead, Dave. Common Legal Group and Great Lakes Justice Center. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I, know, I had the Great Lakes Justice League. You know, I know that. <laughs> yes, and, and folks, uh, if you're not familiar, I hope you are with the uh, Great Lakes Justice Center and with... Um, Common Legal Group. Salt and Light Global. Salt and Light Global. Check them out. They're fighting the good fight. So we have on the line, as usual, Joe from Levo uh, Joe from Levo Joe from Wyandotte. And uh, Joe, you had a question for Dave. Yes, yeah. No, I did not move to Livonia yet. But <laughs> uh, while I was on hold, you guys covered very well tying the two, the lockdown versus the Texas case together like I wanted to. And you're right, freedom of association and assembly. If you want to hide in your basement, you can. You can't dictate to the rest of us. And But uh, my question is, do you, like me, feel there needs to be some reform of SCOTUS? And I don't mean in the Democrat pack the court way. What I mean or I'm asking is I think we need to get them to stop acting like they're part of the teachers union and working part time, give them off two weeks in March, two weeks in September. And other than that, they need to actually work, serve the public and take more of these cases because they're leaving far too much bad precedents, bad case law, bad lower court decisions to hang around. Do you agree with that? Well, I, you, you want me to take that? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there are always cases that we would wish the Supreme Court would take, especially when you get into First Amendment, uh, freedom of religion, free exercise, you know, the, uh, the this whole separation of church and state, you know, fallacy, which isn't even in the Constitution. Um, and other issues, free speech, things like that, that are all through the First Amendment. Of course, you know, but 
that's the system we have. Uh, the court, those judges, the justices decide which cases they take up. Um, you know, I don't know how we'd come up with anything better uh, to say, you know, to reform it. You know, what are you going to have somebody else that oversees them to, you know, decide which cases get get uh, taken? Well, then who controls that panel that decides the cases are getting taken? So you can keep pushing this back. But the bottom line is, is it's still human beings, you know, their fallen human nature uh, making these decisions. So no system's perfect. But I will say that we have a system that's the best, I think, that we've ever seen in in uh, the history of civilizations as we understand it. Um, we have more uh, access to the uh, powers that be and to the courts and all that than any other country in the world. So at, at least we're, you know, doing much better than anywhere else around the world. I, I certainly would not want to be in China or be in Russia or be in just about any other socialist country around the world that, that doesn't give you these kinds of protections and access to the courts. I agree. I wouldn't want to put an entity above the Supreme Court or a manager uh, in charge of this who's taking cases. I'm just saying they need to work a little more of well, their that, time yeah. and not take so much time off so that they have yeah, time for more cases. I wouldn't disagree with you there, and, Joe. And, and yeah, I'll say, and you know, you should union, move to Livonia because I, to I, to I, I went to Schoolcraft College over there at Haggerty Road, got my associate's degree right there in Livonia. So, I mean, you should move there, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of unions, I used to belong to the Hotel Motel Restaurant Bar and Lounge Association. I don't think it exists anymore, but there must be something like it. And... Uh, these unions want these fight for 15 battle and all of these restaurant people to be part of the union. But where are they in stepping up and fighting for the workers' rights? Oh, I'm pretty sure they're part of the SEU now. You know, yeah. I've, I've known. <laughs> all right, well, take care, brothers. I love you both. Uh, God bless. Thanks for calling. Well, thanks for listening, Joe. Thanks. All right. Dave, did you have to go? Yeah, I really need to get going. We're working on this lawsuit. We're filing it Monday on behalf of some bowlers, the bowler associations in Michigan and stuff. And I mentioned it earlier. So uh, we're going to be having a press conference Monday afternoon at the Royal Scott uh, um, facility over here on uh, North Lansing. And uh, we'll be filing and I'm sure everybody will want to keep track of that lawsuit also. All right. And uh, you had some good news you wanted to share that came across while we were on break that uh, that you became aware of? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I refresh my memory. Michigan State. <laughs> oh, 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 yes. I, I was uh, complaining, you know, that here I'm on your show and we're doing all this good stuff. And in the background, I had the Michigan State game on and State's up 21 to 10. And I've missed all their, their touchdowns here. So, I, you know. I'm Unfortunately, sorry. I'm not going to be able to watch it anyway. I'm working on this other stuff. But, but they are ahead. If there are any state fans out there, they're doing well. <laughs> That's great. Well, the things we do for for, for, uh, for our country, right? That's right. <laughs> so, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you again soon. And seeing you on Lou Dobbs again. Lou Dobbs also. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we've been on Lou Dobbs and Shannon Bream's show and Hannity and a bunch of different things. So, you know, these are important issues and, and we just appreciate everyone's support and keep keep up the fight, everybody. We have to stand up for our rights.
this show is a stepping stone. My guests go on to greater national venues. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Ed. Always a pleasure to be with you. All right. All right. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Well, folks, once again, it was David Coleman joining us, giving us some insight into what's going on uh, in the fight in the state of Michigan. He's been heavily involved in a number of the issues, the electoral issues, the COVID fight. Um, once again, if you remember, it was uh, his group that uh, took Governor Whitmer to federal court where she caved before it even came to court. And they they uh, gave way to the um, uh, churches could have church, which is a big deal for me. Uh, I am of the personal opinion. Um, we talk about social distancing and being responsible in restaurants and venues and and maintaining spacing of tables and the like. And I'll be honest with you, I could care less. I'll sit next to anybody. I'm offended when my waiter stands six feet away from me to take my order for fear of giving me or catching something that, uh, I don't know. Yes, there are people who have been harmed by this. But it's nowhere near the deadly plague they play it out to be. You may disagree with me. By the way, the phone number is 734-822-1600. Speaking of if you want to disagree with me or agree with me or you have some special insight that God has given you and you need to share with everybody. Um, once again, that's 732-734-822-1600. Derek will take your call. And if you're some kind of a weird freak, he won't bother to put it through. <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. I didn't mean to put that on you. And actually, I didn't mean that at all. I want you to uh, feel free to join in the discussion. We just had Joe from Livonia. Come on. I would like to actually play a bit of music for you right now. All right. This encouraging bit of music, some good advice. Here we go. to God before you find yourself before the firing squad when you're holding on to a lightning rod it's a great time It's always a great time to talk to God. We need to keep in prayer. We need to ask God what he wants us to do. That, you know, if you don't believe in God, that's your business. That's part of the First Amendment. That's wonderful. You you go on. You be you. But uh, God's had a hand in the founding of this country. 
God has really influenced the Republican form of government we have. Uh, along those lines, I'd like to say that we're going to have uh, Bill Federer on for a special Christmas show. Unfortunately, it's going to be the day after Christmas, but it's going to be an inspiring, inspiring story based on uh, American history and Christmas. And so we're looking forward to that. Uh, the hand of God has been in this country. And like the song said, if you find yourself in front of a firing squad or you got your hand on a lightning rod, boy, that's the perfect time to talk to God because you're going to need it. Which brings up something I thought about this morning. We're on quite the ride right now, this whole election COVID thing, particularly with the Scottish ruling last night. We're on quite the sleigh ride and we are not in control. That's that's really difficult for a lot of us. What do we do? What do we do when we're not in control? And sometimes it's just hang on. And I got to tell you, I once I worked in Lansing about 10 years ago and it was winter and there was a blizzard and I started off for work early and I had I-94 all to myself. And I got to tell you, for a blizzard, I and mean, we're talking about a real blizzard shutting stuff down. It wasn't just a light snowstorm. And I'm driving down the expressway like 70 miles an hour because, hey, I got the whole place to myself. My truck's handling it, no problems. There's nothing wrong at all until I cleared a stand of trees and a blast of snow decided it was bigger than me and pushed me into the median. And I don't know if you remember that scene from planes, trains, and automobiles where, you know, they end up spinning around and spinning around and spinning around and coming to a stop. That was me. Only I didn't exactly come to a stop. When that wind hit me and I knew I was going off the road, I had one word that came out of my mouth and that was Jesus. And I'm so glad it was the first word that came out of my mouth because I ended up spinning down into the median, did not flip, spun around, saw where I could give it the gas. And I mean, I must've spun three or four times. I just remember that well. Came up the other side. Now I'm driving facing the other direction, which fortunately no traffic was coming at me. And then I went back into the median again and back up and miraculously got to work safely. I say that to say this, hang on, call out to God, or he's our only recourse right now. The Supreme Court isn't at the moment. There are probably things going on in the background, things that we don't know about. And we have to remember that it's not the time to give up. It's never the time to give up. Even after the battle's over, it's not time to give up. That's what the resistance is for. So having said that, we have somebody who took me up on my offer to call. And uh, the number is 734-822-1600. We got Tom from Detroit. And Tom, before you start, I got to tell you, anytime I think of the word takings, I think of you. How's that? Uh, well, taking... Did you say taking? taking? Yeah, no. because you've talked on, on Dick's show before on Trigger Talk. Um, yeah. And you've talked about gun, gun quote unquote, buybacks. <laughs> like oh, they have owned oh, it in the first yeah. place. Uh, that, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that yeah, uh, Biden's, uh, you know, I, I kind of was hoping to talk to your legal guy. I used to do some legal stuff. I actually went all the way to the Supreme Court once on my own, you know, uh, but, you know, cert denied, but. Uh, you know, the courts really don't like guys like me. They call us pro se. Uh, you know, that me, I suppose they figure I'm representing myself, but I always try to make the point that I am myself. 
But, you know, that $200 tax they're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that wouldn't be a direct tax on my property. And then if they said, well, it's an excise on bearing arms, I said, oh, really? You know, so that's some kind of an infringement? But like I say, guys like me, they just, they just shut me down if I'm not some big law corporation. But, you know, and I was going to talk about, you know, you notice how these small businesses, you know, they're, they're being kept out of the marketplaces and the big businesses, hey, you know, that's great for them. You know, they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, it reminds me of this case that just went to the Supreme Court where they dismissed Texas. They said, oh, you know, you were, we're not going to go into other states' laws. But wait a minute. You know, the United States of America is a state. We have a secretary of state. You know, his name's Pompeo, last time I checked. And uh, so, so we're a state. So, you know, we're all in this state by contract, the Constitution. And mm-hmm. you and the one thing I wanted to uh, try to get the idea out is one of the things that really bothers me is property taxes and the the uh, cities and what have you in the states. They're giving these big corporations that don't need money, you know, breaks on their property taxes to come to their venue, you know, so people have jobs. Well, hey, that's you know that's a good idea. But all the all of us states, different states, Ohio, Michigan, what have you. You know, we're all bidding against each other, and these big corporations are just getting fatter and fatter and fatter. But, you know, the 14th Amendment says, you know, all, you know uniformity, all, all laws are, for, are supposed to be uniform for everybody. So I don't remember the exact words, okay? So the point is, is if, if Ohio gives a tax break to some corporation to move there, you know, how, how is that uniform? I mean, in Michigan, it's called ad valorem, ad valorem property taxes. In other words, they have to be uniform. But it seems to me the 14th Amendment makes all states have to have uniform taxing laws. So, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could get out of this bidding against each other and corporations could go, well, I, I like to, to move to this place because, uh, you know, they don't have income tax, or they have inexpensive housing, or they have, you know, uh, the right kind of uh, services, electric or water, what have you. Um, you know, and that, that way the free market would put these corporations basically where they belong. Uh, but, um, and so Tom? that's the same. What they did in Texas is they, you know, they said, well, I'm in Michigan, and so they Michigan stepped on my toe, so I have to take it up in Michigan. But at the same time, uh, uh, Wisconsin diluted my vote. Uh, Pennsylvania diluted my vote. Uh, Tom, I th- it, thinking of the Equal Protection Clause, you know? And, yeah. and that's something that Rudy Giuliani was originally attacking Pennsylvania on, was the fact that votes in one, co- in one, uh, one county under state law were treated differently than votes in another county. They both fell under state law, and yet they were treated differently. And so the voters in the other state did not get equal protection. There was more rigorous, uh, uh, you had to have a signature, you had to have an address in this county, same state law. But over here, all that's thrown out the window. So it's a violation of the equal protection clause. And on a grander scale, that's the same thing with the, with the, the Texas case. I thought... You know, Texas wasn't claiming fraud. They're just saying, you're not following your own laws. 
Therefore, you're screwing up the whole election for the rest of us. I don't see why they didn't have standing. I, I don't see why they couldn't prove damages. But I haven't been to 20 years of, you know, uh, a constitutional law like uh, Amy Comey Barrett or Justice John Roberts or who have you. So, well, yeah, I, I'm, that, I'm thinking, like I was saying, uh, when, you know, it's something about, OK, so Texas had to go into the court as a person, you know, but really they're they're a corporation. They A lawyer had to represent them. Uh, you know, because they can't, you know, they are a corporation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so so how do they claim things like Ninth Amendment uh, common law rights and things like that? It seems like on the face, you know, because they're a state of the union, in the union as a state, it seems seems to me that on, on the face, you know, the, every single person who lives in that state can't, can't go walking in there and give an opinion, you know, that it, it, you know, I don't know. I just thought the Supreme Court was pretty pretty weak and and just dismissing it. But you know, maybe Giuliani will come up with something new, something you know, something better. So yeah, we'll, well have to actually, watch it. I guess I appreciate. It. Well, when David Coleman was talking about looking at the restaurants having their businesses in a sense seized by the state because the business itself was being stopped, um, so. You know that's that's a type of takings. I, I immediately thought of you, and then you called similarly. So oh, that's actually where I oh, thought yeah, you were going. Yeah, I think Gretchen Whitmer ought to be sued for everything she has and everything she ever will have. Uh, you know, this is. I mean, it's it's maddening what what she's doing to this state. You know, first the Supreme Court tells her she can't do it. Then she gets her sock puppet, the the health department, to do it. I mean, if I go in a restaurant, you know, and there's a bunch of disgusting things back in the cooking area where I can't see, that's fraud. And I can see where the health department would have a, a role to play there. But I don't. I you know when you know if I walk in a in a restaurant and nobody's wearing a mask. You know, I can see with my eyes what's going on. There's no fraud there. That's my decision and and the owner's decision. Part so. of the health department issue was and and the rule. It's a very simple simple phrase that I don't have in front of me right now, but it talked about being an emergency. Okay, and so show me the emergency that they can make all these rulings under. They they can't. There is no emergency. There's a made-up fraudulent COVID emergency, and yeah. that's what they're standing. This it's all based on it's all a house of cards. Tom, thanks for calling. I appreciate. It. I hate to cut you off, but I got a couple other things I want to get out before the end of the show. But I appreciate you calling. Thank you. Okay, see ya. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I just wanted to point out that I noticed in Epic Times this morning. Um, I have a number of questions about what's going on. Um, Giuliani said, quote, we move immediately, seamlessly to plan B, which is to bring lawsuits now in each one of the states. We had them ready. They're just a version of the one that was brought in the Supreme Court. So last night, the president made the decision. If the state doesn't have standing, surely the president of the United States has standing, and certainly the electors in the state have standing. So they will be bringing those very cases right in those courts starting today. That would be to today, as in today, Giuliani said. And let's see what excuse they can try to use to avoid having a hearing on that. And that's that's it. Um, boy, there was other stuff I thought we'd get into today. The China threat, uh, Swalwell, Fang Fang, Chinese students, you know, um, 
the whole infiltration of our society. There's only, I don't want a two hour show. <laughs> no folks, I don't want a two hour show. One hour is good enough to do prep for, but there's so many topics, so many topics to, uh, to discuss. And, um, Come on back next week. We're going to have Matt Briggs, and you're going to enjoy the show. So, stay focused.